So if anyone has seen a pair of glasses in Wagga Church, can you come and talk to me? How long ago did I preach here? Three or four? I tell you, I've got to go to those spec savers. Um, the five great works of the Holy Spirit in our life, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Our Father, as we open your word today, we ask that your spirit would be our teacher and our guide and we would understand better his desire to work in our life. We ask that you would hear us today because we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, the five great works of the Holy Spirit. Um, let me start by saying there are different versions of who the Holy Spirit is floating around the Christian church in this day and age. He's the third person of the Godhead in the Bible. But there's a lot about the Spirit that we don't know. And I agree with this statement that was given in the book Acts of the Apostles. It's not essential for us to be able to find just what the Holy Spirit is. I can relate to Jesus because I can see him, but the the Holy Spirit, the only time he takes bodily form in the New Testament is as a dove, as a bird. But he's invisible to us. But his presence is with us and a powerful presence that is. Christ tells us that the Spirit is the Comforter, the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father. It is plainly declared regarding the Holy Spirit that in his work of guiding men into all truth, he shall not speak of himself. So we, I don't fully comprehend how the Holy Spirit can be present everywhere, but the Bible tells me he is. What does he want to do? So I'm going to go really fast. You have a clock up the back there. Does that clock work? Who's going to put some batteries in this clock? It's one hour out. Um, I'm going to go really fast. Keep it there for me. I might need that water yet. The first work. How many works of the Holy Spirit did I say there were? I'm teaching today. There's five. Work number one. And I'd like you to look up your Bibles, but I've got to look on the screen. The Spirit indwells and illuminates the believer. We're going to John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. John 14 is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 6. As he goes down in the chapter, he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That's why in the book of Acts, Jesus calls the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. Jesus is going to leave earth and become the intercessor between God and man and he's going to request on behalf of his praying saints that the Father will pour the Spirit out in the church. And that happens in Acts chapter 2, but it's promised here. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit for the believer, when I have accepted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, Jesus said that we are given the Holy Spirit not just to hang out with us, not just to walk with us, but to live within us. Let me tell you today the greatest need in the Christian church is not better buildings. You need a new hall here in Wagga, don't you? Is that how it works? There's something more you need than a new hall. First, I got in here this morning, I thought you needed new heaters, but they've turned out to be okay. It's been cold, hasn't it? The great need of the Christian church today is for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to put it to you that your personal devotion, your prayer time, your reading of the Bible is the means by which we reach out to God and claim this promise and say, Father, send the Holy Spirit to me. He wants to live in us and be with us. And he goes on in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Have you ever been driving along the road and you think of someone and you're reminded to pray for that person? Has that ever happened to you? I want to put it to you that the Holy Spirit will be communicating with you and urging things on you all the time and we are very wary of that as Seventh-day Adventists. Because it's possible for us to listen to the imaginations of our heart. And I've met people. I had a lady come to me one day and she said, I was about to go on a plane to fly overseas and do this. I forget what it was I was going to do. And she came and said, Pastor, God gave me a dream. Your plane is going to crash. Don't get on the plane. What did I do? I got on the plane. Because this lady's crazy. I knew she was crazy. She never manifests to me the fruit of the Spirit at all. She's a crazy lady. But she had God talking to her and communicating her. So when people say to me, oh, God told me something, I say, oh, okay. What do I think when they say God told them something? Crazy. Has God ever told me things? He does it all the time. What does that make me? Crazy. <laughs> By my own standards. But I don't go around telling people that God told me this about you and all that because I'm not... Don't be that arrogant that you think you're a prophet. When God comes to you and abides in you, you know who he's going to tell you most about? Yourself. He'll wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning to tell you about yourself. Not about your neighbour. Not about your neighbour. 
The Holy Spirit will come to you. Yeah, you can pray for someone, but you don't run around saying, God told me this, God told me that. That could have been the imaginations of your heart. But the Spirit will come to you and He will speak to you. Usually about you. About you. And He does that. Don't tell me He doesn't. All the time. Second thing, there's only five, the Spirit teaches. He's a teacher. By the way, what was Jesus' nickname in the Bible? Rabbi. Do you have a nickname? You. Do you personally have a nickname? What do they call you at work? What's your nickname? Just your name. Has anyone here got a nickname? You're not, in Australia, we love to whack people with nicknames. Do you have a nickname? Grizzly Bear on the end here. That's what I'll give him. That, he was a bear today in the song. Good job. How good were the primary? Is it primary? You're tall primary here. It's a mixture. I can't thought they're big kids in Wagga. But good job, guys. I really enjoyed it. And I would nickname this guy and I'd call him the Grizzly. Grizzly bear. I had lots of red hair when I was young. I mean, lots. So they called me Red Dog. And my poor sister got, her name at school was Red Dog's sister. And I still get called that. Your nickname usually relates to some characteristic you have. Or some silly thing you've done. And it doesn't always make sense. But Jesus' nickname was Rabbi because guess what he was doing all the time? Teaching. And guess what? The Holy Spirit, you want to understand what he's like? Look at Jesus. The Holy Spirit does the work of Jesus. Jesus says it's to your benefit that I go because if I go, I will send another, a comforter who will come and speak on my behalf. He'll convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. He does the work of Jesus when Jesus is not here. John 16 Verses 13 and 15, it says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into what? All truth. Notice what he does. He will guide you into all truth. The work the Spirit wants to do isn't to make you rich and prosperous and guide you into the best real estate markets or share portfolios. No, no. What He wants to do is to guide you into half of the truth. It didn't say half of the truth, did it? What did it say? All truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. By the way, that's why you don't listen to the voices in your head. You get out your Bible and you open your Bible because the Spirit works with the book he inspired. It's a holy Bible because it's a Holy Spirit who inspired it. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks with the authority of the Word of God and cooperates with that. 
But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, that's Jesus. He will elevate Jesus. For he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. And when the Holy Spirit gets on Justin and convicts me of sin and my need of Jesus, it makes me emotional. And I can start crying when I'm singing songs about Jesus and I don't ever cry. There's what's wrong with me. But the Holy Spirit is uplifting Jesus in my heart. Praise God. Because he loves to lift up Jesus. All things the Father has are mine, therefore I say that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So we have seen so far, what was the number one work of the Holy Spirit? That was not that long ago, folks. We did number one. He will indwell and illuminate the believer. He wants to live with you. The second work, he is the rabbi, like Jesus was, he's the teacher. And the Spirit, when you open up the Bible and you're reading the Bible, or you're listening to a sermon, or you're driving along the road listening to some other teacher or preacher, the Holy Spirit takes the truth and drives it home, particularly as it applies to you. How many kids, how many points were there in the sermon today? Five. How many are we up to now? Not far to go. Just two, to go, two more after this one. Wow, the Spirit intercedes and helps our what? You mean we have to pray? Yeah, we do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, by the way, the one chapter in the Bible that mentions the Spirit more than any other chapter in the whole Bible is Romans chapter 8. So incredible. That one chapter mentions the Spirit more than any other chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 8. It's a powerful chapter. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. By the way, who has weaknesses here? Have we got different weaknesses? What's that? Yeah. You know, I've got lots of weaknesses. My wife's got one or two. I've got lots. So she helps me. She's like the Holy Spirit to me, kind of. Depends on what day it is. But I want to tell you one weakness everyone in the room has, according to this verse. You know what one of your great weaknesses is? Being human, Being human yes. Being a sinful human. He says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I want to tell you that prayer is an unnatural thing for humanity and even when we pray, we don't ask for the things we should be asking for. We tend to ask for the wrong things, according to the Bible. 
that applies to everyone in the room. We all have the weakness of not knowing what to pray for. And he says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He intercedes where you don't have words. He has groanings. I don't fully understand what the groanings are, but he knows how to come before the Father. He takes what is ours that's messed up and he fixes it all up. So the prayer itself becomes better because of the Holy Spirit's intercession of that prayer. Because we don't know what we should ask for. He says in verse 27, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. By the way, there are people that doubt the Holy Spirit is a separate person in the, in the three persons of the Godhead. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has a mind. That he has emotions, he can be grieved in Ephesians chapter 4 as well. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So your prayer life and my prayer life is one of our weaknesses that God is constantly trying to work on with us. And the Spirit comes to you even when you don't know how to pray or what to pray for. The Holy Spirit will come in with groanings and moanings that we can't even understand and he'll fix up your prayer so your prayer will become powerful and answered. The most important thing is that you pray. It's one of our great weaknesses as human beings. Everyone in the church. Kids, how many are there? Which one's this one? Number four. It's good you're counting. The Spirit sanctifies the life of the believer. What does sanctify mean? Cleanse, purify, make special, set apart. Those old, one of those old words we don't use much in common language, but in biblical language it means to set apart. The Holy Spirit is not content with how you are today, he wants to shift your life to a better place than what it is today. Romans 8 again, I love Romans 8. Paul says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. By the way, I have to say to my Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters, the law of the Lord is perfect, but you aren't and I'm not. And so the law becomes powerless to save you. The law becomes powerless to change you because you are weak and the law is strong and it just becomes a condemning influence in your life. And if you think by dwelling on the law you'll become better, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the law gives power to sin. If, if I tell my kids, I say, kids, do not look at that door over there because that door, you looked at it. When the law says don't do something, guess what we do? 
It actually gives power to it. Oh, I said, if you don't, don't look at that door. Uh, everyone, ah, oh, you looked again. Come on. What the law could not do is it was weak through the flesh. God did. This is such a beautiful verse. The law couldn't save us, so God saved us. God did. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. There was a great Anglican scholar named John Stott. And John Stott wrote a book on the book of Romans called Men Made New. And he got to this verse and he said, Any Christian that says the Ten Commandments have been done away with doesn't understand Romans chapter 8. And verse 4, he says, far from being done away with, this is the Anglican John Stott, Church of England. The reason we were, Jesus died on the cross to save us is that the law might be fulfilled in our life via the Holy Spirit. It's not done away with. It's fulfilling us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a better life, a loving life, not a selfish life, and He wants to give you victory and power over sin. There's only one more point. Number five, the Spirit bestows gifts upon the believer within the context of the church. He doesn't gift you for your own glory, but He gifts you to build up the church. It says uh, in, um, it'll come up here, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The Bible says that if you are a believer, a baptized believer in the church, you have been given a gift to help the church. Ladies, over here on the instruments and gentlemen, on, it was on the sax, wasn't it? Not my gift. You know, I learned the piano for like uh, five years straight and I can't play Happy Birthday. Just not my gift. My mum made me. I had to sit outside crying playing the piano in the carport, killing the neighbour's cat with the sound. It was so bad. Played for years and years and years, and I don't care what you say, I am never going to be a musician. It's not in me. Praise the Lord, you guys have got the gift. But the gift is not for you, it's for the church. 
the building up of the church and everyone in the building, everyone that can hear the sound of my voice, if you're a servant of Jesus, you've been given a gift. What's your gift? There's three big lists of the gifts in the New Testament. We could add a fourth, but there's really only three. Ephesians chapter 4 are the offices of the church, the leadership gifts. Apostles, they are ones that are sent forth like church planters. They're sent out. By the way, there are still apostles today. There weren't just 12 of them. In the Bible, there's at least 16 of them, if you count all of them. There are prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. That's the leadership cluster. And if you are in that group, God bless you. You've got a burden to carry. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, are special abilities. Administration. Apostle, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, tongues, interpretation, wisdom. Romans 12 are functions. The function of exhortation, of giving, of leadership, of mercy, of prophecy, service and teaching. They cross over. But everyone in this room falls somewhere in one of those three lists. I wonder what your one is. When I was an intern, my mentor was Pastor John Lang. And he had to read through this intern book with me. They were the rules. And once a week on a Tuesday, we would sit down for an hour and he would read through a chapter of the intern book. And I'll never forget the day we got to the gifts of the Holy Spirit part of the intern book. And he read the stuff. And uh, <laughs> he said to me after he finished reading, he said, what's your gift, Justin? And I went, uh, I don't know. Was that a, is that a normal answer? Yeah, I, I don't have a clue, I said. Not to be outdone, I said, what's your gift? He said, uh, I don't know. So we went to the next chapter. That was that. I know now what my gifts are. I have the gift, to, I have the gift of evangelism. I'm a preacher. I'm a leader. That doesn't make me better than someone that doesn't have those gifts. It just means... They're my gifts that God's asked me to serve the church in. So when I go to church, I like to preach. I can't help it. In fact, if I sit here and listen to you preach, it's probably going to kill me. Is that true, dear? Oh, I can't. I'm terrible. So if I'm out there watching you preach sometime, one time... I had to preach in Melbourne at AYC and Dwight Nelson was on the front pew. You know Dwight Nelson? He can preach. All of us, we're just would-be's. He's the real thing. I said, this is an abomination that I'm up here today and he's sitting there listening. Because I know what he was going through listening to me. It was killing him. 
It was killing him. He was seeing what he could be doing. Uh, that's when you have that gift. Your gift gifts are for the building up of the church, not the individual. What a wonderful thing when the nominating committee sits and we have too many people wanting to do the jobs. You ever had that? I haven't. Uh, everyone has at least one gift, but no one has all the gifts. You can have more than one, but you'll never have them all. Some gifts are more noticeable in their impact, but all gifts, the ones that aren't noticed, they're all important. They're all important. The Holy Spirit determines who gets what gift. You can't choose it yourself. And if you try and function outside your gift, you'll become an unhappy camper. Work within your gift. Know what it is to discover your gift. I always ask the question, what are you really passionate about? What do you care about? God has laid a burden on your heart and it's usually related to the way he has gifted you. What's your passion? Get involved. I was 19 and Jeff Donovan at the Lansford Church was going on holidays and he couldn't find anyone to preach. And it was 1992 and it was January 11th and in desperation he asked me to preach. And I've got to be honest... I would get up to read the mission story in Sabbath school and the thing would shake so much I couldn't see the words because I was so nervous. I'd have to dig my elbows into my sides to try and brace myself on something so I could see it, so I could read it out. And I knew it was terrible because when I got to the back door, all the old ladies in the church would say, you did very well. And I just knew they were just being kind because it was terrible. And I vowed never to read the mission story in church ever again. My voice cracked. It was going up and it was just shocking. And then Jeff asked me to preach and I said, yep, I'll do it. And something happened. Something happened that day and I could just speak because God had given me the gift to speak. If I didn't get involved, I would have never discovered what my gift was. Please get involved in your church. Thirdly, let the church recognise it's your gift. One of my head elders, Ian, one of my head elders I once had who's no longer on earth, he's asleep in the ground. He could not preach to save himself. But he was a head elder. And he'd get up to preach and he'd be sweating and he'd be shaking and trembling and it was, it was bad. So I said, while you're the head elder, you don't have to preach. It's not your gift. It's not your gift. You're very good at administration. Keep administrating. Don't try and do stuff that's not you. The church said, hey, you can't preach. We don't want you to preach. You've got other gifts. We want you to use your other gifts. And he was happy and everyone in the church was happy. One of the ladies, Sabbath school teacher, 
He's her name. Young mum had all Jeremy and all the boys. Anyway, Bernice, she got up and preached and blew the roof off the church. And we all went, where did that come from? It was her gift and she didn't know till she had a go. You never know. But if the church says that's your gift, it's a good chance that it is. And by the way, if they say, hey, it's probably not your thing, it's probably not your thing. Finally, do an inventory. You can get these questionnaire things. They will help you understand. Every time I fill one of those out, it tells me I'm a martyr. Um, you know what a martyr is, don't you? Someone that dies for their faith. So I'm not sure how helpful that is to the nominating committee, but that's, you can fill out an inventory and discover what your gift is. Whatever you do, the five great works of the Spirit, can you remember what they are? What was number one? The indwell and illuminate the believer. What was number two? He teaches us, the rabbi, like, just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come to replace Jesus on earth. And so his work is aligned with the work of Jesus. He guides us and leads us into all truth. What was the third one? What's that? He, I need you to remind me. He, he intercedes because the one thing that we are all weak at is prayer. We, we don't naturally know what to even pray for, but he will make up the difference and he'll make your prayers perfect even though what you say is not. What's the fourth one? He sanctifies what the law couldn't do. God did. He saved us. And he saved us that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in our midst. By the work of the Holy Spirit, not walking on the flesh, but walking in the Spirit. And fifthly, what was it? He distributes the gifts to the believers and every believer has a, a gift. It's my prayer that in Wagga Wagga, no one says the two words here, do they? You can tell a local, they say, I'm from Wagga. And I hear people talk about it. They say, have you been to Wagga Wagga? And I know when they say that, they've never been. In Wagga, I pray that you'll get a sense of the urgency in the time in which we live. That your need, that every morning, every morning your weakness is prayer. Your weakness is your personal devotion. Everyone in the church has that weakness. But the Spirit wants to get you on your knees and make a difference in your life by you praying. That you will put your devotional life and your time with God as the highest priority of your life. And that's not easy. That's not easy. That if you do, that we will see a manifestation of the Spirit in our midst and the church will get the job done and we will go home to glory. That's my prayer. And we're going to sing one last song today. What is the last song that we're singing? Singing is not my gift, so I'm going to sit down.
number 487 in the garden. Please stand. bow our heads together and pray. Father, we thank you that you gave the Holy Spirit to the church. You didn't leave us as orphans when your son returned to become the great high priest of heaven, interceding even this prayer now. But Father, as we walk day by day, may we sense our great need for your presence, the presence of your spirit in our life. And may we not grieve him, but may we seek him and may he be found. And Father, may he fulfill in us the desire of heaven in our life, that we are better people, we're different people, but your church becomes the head and not the tail. The church becomes a mighty influence in this city 
because of the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our midst. That's our prayer today. What a thing we need. We ask this. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.